I mean, for me, it's very, very important to say that uh, um, I'm aware of the power that I have wielding a camera and trying to speak on behalf of somebody else and, you know, um, yeah, not, not, not for a moment thinking that uh, I'm here to do you good. No, right. that's a problem. That's these, a problem. Yeah. Then these are your sort of, we would say, your ethics, you know, the ethics of what you think your discipline should be doing, including you yourself as a part of that larger community of people that do this um, as their work, as their sort of, um, uh, as the way of uh, producing meaning, uh, living meaningful lives along with the, the work that they do. How, how do you see then... Or how do you rather deal with uh, a movie like, uh, let's say, even a nice one like Slumdog Millionaire? I'm assuming as a filmmaker, that's a great uh, technical, uh, technically really well done, I guess, uh, for you. But how do you deal with not the production of cliches or uh, the establishment or not establishment? That's a terrible word for this. But for the confirmation of cliches or how do we go about rediscovering each other in the world how should we do this because in india it's a it's also a local problem for us like when i would go to i was in vizag uh, a few years ago and uh, it seemed like a foreign place to me and uh, it's a place where my father grew up but at the same time uh, if i come to frankfurt or if i travel to let's say somewhere in italy it is still a foreign place do you do you ever think about how we must or should rediscover each other in the world or even in within our country? I also think it's quite impossible to do that on a large <laughs> cultural, you know, civilizational scale. Yeah. Uh, which is why I think it's it's important to be aware of, you know, the entire politics of representation and the politics of power in representation, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so while, you know, talking about uh, Slumdog Millionaire, you know, um, yes, it is something that is so easy to consume. You know, it, it it's really that image of India is so easy to consume. Um, and why did Slumdog Millionaire get made? Hmm. Slumdog Millionaire got made because Hollywood studios were not getting a toehold in the Indian distribution market because local filmmaking was so strong and their dubbed versions of uh, films were not really doing very well unless it was a Jurassic Park or something, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and they were not being, they were not really being successful in uh, producing films in India or getting... Um, you know, getting a handle over content creation, as they call it. Right. So Slumdog Millionaire gets made. It's not an Indian film. It's made by a British filmmaker, released by a Hollywood studio. It goes on to win all these Oscars. And when you do that, then because a film which is set in India wins all these Oscars, it made the entry into the Indian production market and distribution market much easier. Isn't you know? that so strange, though? It you will, you won does. awards. You won awards, right? Indians won awards on it, whether it was uh, 
Rasul Pukuti or Gulzar or Ayar Rahman, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. So everybody won awards, and I think it's a good thing that people won yeah, awards, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because all of these are absolutely brilliant professionals. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. Uh, so it's great that it won awards. It brought about a change that was not happening otherwise. But uh, yes, they got in, and they also got into trouble very soon because uh, Disney came in. They were not very successful. you know they made a few productions here but uh, i think we're back to not having a hollywood dominance in uh, indian film production anymore so slumdog millionaire again you know that giving of the oscars to it had a huge uh, commercial and business interest behind it um when you look at it from the outside um so yeah and finally i mean you know again talking about something like that i say something in it might make me very angry you know about that entire representation of these uh, crooks you know who are gluing uh, bisleri bottles back you know with uh, tap water inside them and uh, so on you know uh, easy easy um, characters to consume and so on but at another level when you look at mainstream and popular cinema at some level you also view them i guess through a different um, framework you know different parameters and so on where you would uh, in some ways separate the entertainment film from the more so called within quotes serious film and mm. and allow them much more leeway really allow them much more leeway to use cliche to use essentialization and uh, i mean that is i guess something you know for people like us and for um, academics working in in culture studies and film studies to unpack and look at because yeah we look we look at films very very differently so um i mean chirag yeah. and i have this lighthearted way of uh, discussing this binary we we say the the one kind of movies uh, that are ये तो सिर्फ फिल्मों में होता है मूवीज एंड देन द मोर इम्पॉर्टेंट काइंड ऑफ फिल्म आर समटाइम्स सीन एज और परसीव्ड एज मालूम नहीं है तो चुप बैट काइंड ऑफ मूवीज वेयर दे आर इंस्ट्रक्टिव दे आर टेलिंग यू वेल दिस स्टफ इज कॉम्प्लिकेटेड मैन जस्ट डोंट इवन बॉदर एंड देन दी अदर बाइन दी अदर एक्सट्रीम इज बेसिकली ये तो सिर्फ फिल्मों में होता है पर देखने में अच्छा लगता है well what's interesting is that even the maloob nahi hai to chup bat kind of yeah. movies also have a great deal of ye to sirf filmon mein hota hai <laughs> so <laughs> could you give us an example there there must be something off the top of your head uh not off hand but um well i guess if you're looking at uh, extreme art house movies you know mm-hmm. which i'm a great fan of i'm actually i watch everything I, right. i really watch everything yeah. uh so there'd be a lot of stuff that you see in them uh maybe not in terms of hardcore story but in terms of uh, film production and film language mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. where uh, it may be unique now if it works it's great if it looks mm-hmm. forced then you know self film mein hota hai you know <laughs> yeah. so uh yeah so i mean yeah i, I guess at some level i've stopped judging films you know that way right because uh, i quite grew up with that burden of 
like mm-hmm. you know we were talking about high art and low art right i grew up with that burden of good cinema and bad cinema and so on and i i'm not a person who grew up on uh, mainstream bollywood you know mm-hmm. uh i actually started watching it only after coming out of film school and uh yeah and in many ways i you know pretty much got not converted but became a big fan afterwards you know so i watch things of all kinds really and once you have enough distance from it and you can view it critically for what it's trying to do then it's fun you know it's really fun and including films that you may not agree with or may not like so, yeah mm-hmm. okay. hmm. crucial i think to this entire india china exchange is what you know uh, to use a phrase by uh, by thomas alea uh, one of his films memories of under development you know this idea of a memory as against certain kind of an amnesia you might say about that particular history and i'm interested in the way that moving images from both these countries are able to open up a history almost unbeknownst to themselves the simple point is that i think uh, intelligibility you know making sense in a in a complex way is much more difficult than simply something like translation we tend also to be somewhat self obsessed and you know tend to be within a certain universe of our own making and we will say and we often actually say that you know i mean if you if you want to come in to my context and understand and what i'm saying you do it on my terms <laughs> you know uh, it, it it's a kind of a situation where actually immense amount of work has to happen in order to make mere translation acquire intelligibility the primary focus was documentary and i mean documentary in the fullest sense of the term as a means by which a conversation could develop as such i think that we were very very quickly interested in two other phenomena uh, which documentary it seemed opened up for us one was experimental video and the second was a certain sort of fictional cinema that had worked with the you know the reality effect of documentaries There is also this uh, especially in snapshots from a family album if you look at um, the the idea of the camera um, shooting 
shooting something uh, which which when you see it as an audience you feel a certain discomfort point uh, the the scene in uh, in this situation being you recording say your mother you know <laughs> and how that kind of uh, that that when we are sitting there that angle what because we are right now if i was to imagine it as an audience i'm thinking about a person who is almost falling asleep and someone <laughs> putting a camera in the face and still uh, asking to get some something more something more out of this person and uh, and ha- also just riffing on it having a third uh, understanding that this person who is doing that is the son <laughs> you know <laughs> the the beta jo apni maa ko pareshan kar raha hai wo time pe sort of a thing <laughs> uh, so Not there cut. are these there are these different sort of uh, registers which it is constantly evoking in me so how do you look at the way in which that discomfort is produced for the for audience, the audience. or what is the experience that you are trying to is it a to... cinematic formal thing that uh, that you're trying to explore there or also it's uh, uh, you're very sure of what it will evoke in the audience or um, you know the riff go go for it what is it <laughs> i guess i'm uh... pushing my own levels of comfort to discomfort mm mm while shooting and also while editing that film um and uh, what is that conversation it's a nonsense conversation which has a lot of subtext right you know which yeah. really has a lot of subtext and uh, what are we talking about the here is a grown up young man hmm. uh in his late 20s who is lying next to his mother in bed with a camera in hand and chatting away while she is falling asleep but he won't let her sleep because uh through this very oblique conversation mm-hmm. you are discussing your own lives and uh you are also using film references hmm. you know to also discuss your own lives you know yeah and the camera is in her face um and that is the part that makes you uncomfortable so she's commenting on the fact that this is becoming an art film that nobody wants to watch you know <laughs> uh why would anybody want to watch this aging woman going to sleep you know and uh earlier in the film it's a conversation about family about marriage about expectations about heteronormativity mm-hmm. you know about love and romance and uh and again a heteronormative idea of love and romance you know uh and i guess the tension happens not because the camera is looking at this woman you know as she's trying to sleep but at the entire undercurrent of the kind of potentially tense subject that this is for the family mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's the humor that makes it easier you know is a humor that makes it easier uh, they both joke about it 
they are both ribbing each other in the conversation me as the filmmaker and my mother as the genius that she is <laughs> and the sense of ready wit and timing that she has as a person and always ready with the, armed with a reference you know to deflate you or to attack you um, or to say something obliquely which is what makes the film fun you know yeah. instead of having a sit down serious conversation tell all serious conversation um so in many ways you know i'm pushing my own levels of comfort and discomfort as i said and of course trying to gauge how much can the audience take and uh and this is something i've said before and for the record moments when she was actually very uncomfortable i stopped filming you know right and when she actually protests saying now switch off the camera as long as it's playful it's fine but when i can say, when i sense that she is actually getting uncomfortable i actually cut the camera hmm. so hmm. none of those things none of the moments that are really private where they are feeling really exposed are kept in the edit where i guess there's an element of auto ethnography in the film right where uh, you're looking at yourself you're turning the camera around looking at your yourself and your family and so on mm-hmm. uh and uh, other filmmaker friends had uh, was surprised that i was not filming dramatic events in the family because the film was shot over a period of 5 years you know mm. uh so i did not shoot the passing away of my grandfather uh, of mm. of my grandmother i did mm. not shoot the passing away of my grandmother who appears in the middle of the film in allahabad mm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. because for them it was an important moment of auto ethnography and i was like no this is when they are all and i am extremely vulnerable i don't want to record this and if i put it in a film it's a moment that is in that case made permanent by through the act of recording and it's something you want to forget you know it's really something you don't want to remember and uh, i guess for another kind of film and for another filmmaker it would be a completely valid thing to do but that's not an area i wanted to you know go into at all explore uh, yeah. if you were discussing if if you were pushing the limits of discomfort it was i guess with a different register and a different tone not by recording people when they are vulnerable kya mere film kya ho gayi art film ho gayi kala kala film ho gayi kyun parallel cinema wali kyun ki wo naika jo khadi hai sadak ke kinare to khadi hai aur ye naika 3 ghante khadi hai aur ye naika aur ye naika bistar mein leti hai to leti hai करवट भी नहीं बदल रही क्या बात है वेस्टिंग यार 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 टाइम एंड एनर्जी फिल्म नहीं लगती हैं लोगों को नहीं पसंद आती ना तुम तुम्हें आती है कि नहीं ये मुझे तो आती है तो तुम्हें क्या प्रॉब्लम मेरी आर्ट फिल्म बनने का मेरी आर्ट फिल्म की नायिका बनने में तुम्हें क्या इतराज है आर्ट फिल्म बनाने से किसी को फायदा नहीं होता ना दर्शकों को ना निर्माता को अच्छा 
क्योंकि फिल्म मनोरंजन का माध्यम है मैं सो गई हूं ये कौन बोल रही है I would say nicely or I would, I would say in a uh, in a welcome way the the idea of a mother son relationship as shown on screen no with with bollywood showing for whatever how many ever years it has this very set image and you know to be honest like if say i we both speak about each other's uh, families and i uh, have over a period of time already sort of um, uh, started to read into the fact that his relationship with his mother is so diametrically different than mine would be with my mother and neither of them fall uh, even remotely in the uh, or or are so far more nuanced that th- a category of a mother son relationship as portrayed through images <laughs> or in film cannot be conformed mm. to any of any of those ideas and then when you see this third sort of representation f- for me it, the like you said the subtext is so so much there is so much subtext because it in her not saying so many things she ends up saying <laughs> a lot about that relationship you know it can it it's in her not replying to your question of yours it is as as long as क्या पका रहा है यू नो लाइक यू नो दैट सॉर्ट लाइक इवन दैट फ्रस्ट्रेशन कमिंग आउट एंड आई थिंक रियली रियली रिच रियली रिच सॉर्ट ऑफ आल्सो आई गेस व्हाट आई वांट टू आई थिंक आल्सो चिराग वी हैव टॉक्ड अबाउट दिस बिफोर वी आर आल्सो अ जनरेशन दैट इज एग्जैक्टली 50 50 हाफ मूवी थिएटर्स एंड हाफ ऑन द इंटरनेट नाउ you know netflix or youtube or whatever you want to call it how do you see this shift then in this because we just talked about something uh, that's yeah of course very private a mother son relationship but uh, through cinematic experience um how do you see the fact that the cinematic experience the collective involved in the cinematic experience is now quite different it's um it's a work in progress so it's hard for me to comment on it really sure with mm-hmm. any sense of uh, i can't be definitive about it mm-hmm. because it's still uh, in process mm-hmm. um and of course right now as we know covid has completely screwed everything up so uh film production stopped and exhibition of course has 
they've started, but I don't know who's going going to theaters into the theaters these days. Um, so, I mean, I still completely love uh, going to a theater and watching a film with the public. You know, uh, whether it's an art house film at a film festival or an out and out entertainment film, you know, at a multiplex. Hmm. Um, and of course, lots of stuff online or uh, downloaded, um, which there are different ways of uh, different ways of engagement, right? You know, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know. And even, even at home, um, when we are watching films, there uh, are films that you know, we would play on the computer and uh, watch on the television screen. Or if there's something where you want a more uh, wholesome and cinematic experience, Immersive. then we put it. Yeah, then we put it on the beamer. You know, then we put it on the projector, and uh, where the image becomes larger right. and uh, more uh, immersive and experiential. So you decide what kind of film it is. You know, it could be something like a superhero movie or an art house film where. You want a more immersive uh, experience, and and you do that, or you just want to loll in bed and put it on the TV. You do that. You know? So, yeah. what in architecture draws you to it? Do you think architecture are what's an adjective that you like using for architecture that you like? I mean, I want to start really simple for myself so I can get an understanding of how you see it. Well, the adjective that came to mind was a was an ecstatic Punjabi gali, a positive one which I can't uh, repeat here. <laughs> oh, you! I'll tell you. I'll you tell you must. Like, but, uh, oh no, 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 just kidding. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, some things are uh, also happy accidents, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, I grew up in Delhi. That's not an accident. Um, <laughs> had a lot of friends who went into architecture. Hmm. The first uh, profession I thought, one of the first things I thought I would take up as uh, a profession was architecture. Mm-hmm. But my dad talked me out of it. <laughs> so I'm not sure this is really therapy or otherwise. Wise <laughs> father. That, why is father? Well, he, he said do- that, he and also this is, this is pre-computer. So he said architects have to stand in their studios and draft all day and all night. So, <laughs> and yeah, that was in class nine. I was 14 or something. So I switched from that to mechanical engineering, you know, huh. oh. which I did not do either. So it was one <laughs> of those things. Yeah. I guess earlier than that, I wanted to be a Bollywood singer, which... I was also talked out of so that way. But architecture is one of the things that at the age of 14, I considered doing, mm-hmm. going to the School of Planning and Architecture in Delhi. Yeah. And uh, jokes apart, had a lot of friends. This is also the time when, um, in which Annie Gibbs and those ones got made. Right. The yes. efficient film, which I'm sure the whole world of Indian <laughs> architects has seen, you know. Um, and then I found myself in film school. There was always this, idea of architecture, you know, um, at the back of my head. And I must say that uh, 
I mean, one had experienced different kinds of architecture, whether it was state architecture or colonial architecture while growing up in Delhi as a child and school and college. Uh, when you're taken to places and you look at them, like Fatehpur Sikri, you know, right. mm. which is stunning, you know, absolutely stunning. Or uh, something like Ayuka, Charles Correa's yes. Ayuka yeah, in yes, yeah, Pune yeah. University. Yes, absolutely. And you realize there's something to this. Now, at a very, very naive and basic level as an undergrad or film student, where you know you feel that there is something to this and then it leads you to teach yourself about it later and within 5 years of coming out of film school uh, i became friends with rohan and mm-hmm. joined kamla raheja almost immediately within 6 months of that teaching uh, an elective in still photography so uh, that was 2001 and mm. uh, so that is the happy accident that i was talking about okay where i got thrown into this entire uh, world of the discourse around architecture and uh, from you know from a critical theoretical experiential historical point of view and uh, then doing projects together whether it was projects in amma city or my um film on uh, slum rehab housing vertical city which uh, is actually their work you know because i was so in the middle of all that debate on uh, rehab housing you know because of their work that it became a film with all of them featuring in it mm-hmm. as uh, mm-hmm. voices as you looked at this entire space and this entire project in goregaon east uh so that and you know that, looking at that as an extension of my other preoccupations about culture making about citizen making and nation building you know mm-hmm. where it is such a basic part of it it is such an integral part of it so yeah i mean you um find collaborators you find friends and you shape each other you know so whether it's architecture there or working closely with visual artists as well where there are many many questions about art making about aesthetics about the history of art and about form and the subjects that you're addressing which then inform my practice as a filmmaker mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it opens up it, it really opens up uh, your mind to the possibilities of your medium so, right as away a... from the dictates of the mainstream of either fiction or non fiction filmmaking right you know, of making films in a certain mold or a certain way you're a uh, if i'm not mistaken your original training is as a your formal training is as a cinematographer or a specialization i guess uh what what do you think when you do encounter i i know encounter is a strong word so let's say you arrive one morning to film at ayuka um uh you've read about it you've spoken to countless architects or you even anecdotally or in the context of the work that you will do i'm creating a scenario here uh, of course impromptu but uh, in that um, frame of mind if with whatever it is that you've gone there to capture with specific ideas about what you need to film as a cinematographer uh, you're setting up uh, your shot or your camera what's going through your mind what are you what 
is the encounter like for you as a cinematographer when you arrive at um at a piece of architecture that you want to um capture and film and um is it is it something that you see as alive is it a body is it a idea only is it imposing on you as a filmmaker or are you or do you think you are imposing is there any kind of way of talking about that that particular moment before you hit uh, you know before you clap uh, and begin recording um it really depends on the film anito mm-hmm. where um, and that changes over time as you grow um so uh, and i have shot at ayoka Mm-hmm. uh for my final diploma project at fdi ah great um <laughs> yeah it's on youtube you know and share it with you have a look okay and uh, so from looking at it as a location mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know and uh, an institution that houses your lead character of the film who mm-hmm. is a scientist and you find ayuka to place him of course you don't identify it as ayuka mm-hmm. but then that architecture you know adds another layer to your character you know mm. and everything that preoccupies him at that moment in his life you know um to something which is very different you know the way if if it was a film about the architecture of ayuka you'd look at it very different um and uh, you'd lens it differently you'd film it differently mm-hmm. you'd mm-hmm. decide is this black and white or is it color am i shooting static shots am i shooting time lapses am i creating camera moves what kind of camera moves um am i using humans for scale or am i just shooting it you know without that reference mm-hmm. um and so on so there are all these questions that uh, you think of you know while filming a particular project and uh, i mean the one thing that was very important while defining our approach to nostalgia for the future was that uh, if you talked about films on architecture hmm. you usually look at three kinds of films there's the great architect film Mm-hmm. where you'd make a film on Corbusier or Doshi or you know on the uh, author yeah mm-hmm. yeah the author you know genius the, syndrome uh, you, you do that you know you, you and uh, why not <laughs> because uh uh these are very important films very important mm-hmm. works to be documented by the film on the film medium and uh, so there's there's the great architect film or there's a great architecture film you know mm-hmm. where you make mm-hmm. the film on brasilia or the taj mahal or whatever and the third is the problem film the problem of slums and housing and so on mm-hmm. where film would look at documenting or maybe problem solving and uh, for us it became important while making nostalgia for the future to try and look at the body of the citizen of modern india which mm. actually you're talking about a time pre independence you know starting pre independence and coming down to about the present day mm. uh what is the body of that citizen and what is the kind of house that is made 
for the for this idea there are five different ideas in the film you know mm-hmm. of the citizen and then how do you treat each of those uh, segments separately and you know in using different kinds of filming techniques so uh, so while treating each of those segments of nostalgia we kept all this in mind and of course you are starting with this idea in your head but you're also responding to a location hmm. uh form is very important you know uh in general even otherwise you know while approaching uh, a film unless i have a form in head while filming i find it hard to operate you know hmm. so the form of those buildings is important how do you frame them how do you lens them uh what kind of light are you using because i mean buildings are so much about light right light and ventilation right. and so on and the experience of the of that entire space um when are you filming are you lighting it artificially or not uh is it color is it black and white like i said and if you've seen nostalgia it uses both digital video and 16 mm film you know mm. uh so are we shooting this on film are we shooting this on video are we shooting both and then working with them in post and of course there's the entire sense of the archival of uh, the housing films from the films division archive which right. are looking at that entire process of of building homes for people for the public mm-hmm. you know so uh so it's that complex approach that we took while looking at those spaces there but otherwise yeah if you tell me to uh respond to a place like ayuka i guess it will really depend on the film that i'm making at that point of time you know right mm. so, yeah. so it's a, every project is a very specific thing uh that you construct beforehand and you arrive uh having a, have a very uh, decent level of clarity towards what you're going to do and then you're waiting for your happy surprises if any uh, absolutely it's also i mean you there are times when you're not able to see something beforehand and you land up right and then you mm. just draw on your memory and experience you know to respond to it and then film it um as you find might be useful or might be effective um mm. or just you know just just like i said references are very important to me you know mm. while working so then try and remember a work that uh, you might refer to it say okay i'm going to film it like x building is shot in this particular film right and mm. uh, yeah and as architects i i also ask this of course it's a bit vague for us and uh, thank you so much for sort of putting up with our vagueness but we also ask because as architects we often uh look at filmmaking for how things are seen just because of the amount of difference uh that cameras can capture yeah um as opposed to the eye because we formalize that difference in terms of orthographic projections uh, uh images video we constantly want another way of seeing the same thing and now we are even going into things um we already are all over the place in terms of satellite imagery in terms of um virtual reality and these are all different modes of seeing the same thing just to see whether there is something else to be discovered or re-originated through an existing architecture so that we don't have the burden of 
constantly looking or trying to understand what can be new based on what can be seen in a drawing only yeah uh, or uh, everything that does this 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 and this is old because there is a certain amount of faith almost in in saying that uh, maybe a different way of seeing uh, an existing architecture or an existing uh, set of drawings would produce um, uh, a way of understanding what may be uh, different and new about what we could do in the future. And that's basically why uh, we ask these questions because as filmmakers often do, no matter what, no matter how many drawings have been made about a, a certain building, they often find ways to show it to us in a new way. And in that being sense... Being very generous. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. For example, Chirag and I are absolutely crazy about uh, Wes Anderson and uh, his, uh, yeah. we call it frontalism, that, uh, that should actually be so architectural, not in the sense of his aesthetic and his stylizing, but in the sense that something so frontal, uh, his camera movements or uh, even still shots are so uh, uh, frontal and symmetrical and uh, ordered in a certain way. But the architecture often ends up uh, completely in the background, no matter how stylized it is. Yeah, Something that is completely defies all logic that I've ever understood about uh, architecture being in the background. No matter how much you try to send it to the background, it shows up as a strange corner or a dark corner or a, li a light effect that you don't want or want and it always imposes on either the characters and good filmmakers often use those aspects of uh, architecture to their, to their benefit or... But um, this this is what also uh, surprises us about what you do as as filmmakers, that there is this constant churning of um, the background. And in that sense, how do you see the references that you use? That's a very interesting uh, observation and uh, question. Um, and I'm going to give a longish answer. Sure. sure. Uh, because uh, architecture and also working a lot with uh, visual artists and uh, painters. Mm -hmm. And we recently did a film on our artist friend, Kaushik Mukhopadhyay, who yeah. also yeah. recently in retired. Yeah. yeah. Recently retired from Kamla Reja and has joined the sea in Mumbai. Oh. Mm. And uh, so him, and before that, before that film, a film on uh, Neelima Sheikh and mm -hmm. her work on Kashmir, or the Garden of Forgotten Snow, mm -hmm. both two very different modes of visual art. You know, one is Kaushik with his broken household objects repurposed into these strange creatures or machines or uh, toys that he makes. Yeah in the form of, uh, might be called installation, you know, or mm -hmm. his own thing. Mm -hmm. To Delima, who is completely a painter, you know, 
and she respects and loves that medium of painting and uh, does her own very specific uh, things with you know painting and um, the act of filming those two or uh, people working in other visual arts um would be so different would really be so different and um how do you really make it cinematic how do you make it experiential how do you make uh, your viewers kind of engage with and relate to what that work is doing sometimes and like you rightly said that uh, the lens sees things that uh, you may miss out otherwise in person mm-hmm. and it's very true because uh, when you're shooting a painting you know the kind of detail that you go into the duration for which you hold it on screen um uh, you look at the work very differently than you would mm-hmm. in person where you're looking at one large painting where nilima does these large 10 foot vertical scrolls so and if there's 10 of those in a gallery then you know there's only so much detail that you can look at each time that you visit it you can mm-hmm. look at it again and again Yeah. but when it's projected for you on a large screen or even a small screen the very fact that a camera has looked at it and uh, shown you things uh, becomes a different uh, and a specific experience likewise for koshik's work you know these objects that have their own quirky behavior their movement they keep breaking down they make a noise and uh, they are kinetic or they are not and how does the camera really capture that becomes a challenge hmm. and coming back to architecture uh like i said the way you'd respond to a location is using the parameters that i mentioned before mm-hmm. you know how am i lensing it what is the light that we're using what is the color palette and so on but what becomes interesting is when you're doing that on a fiction set where you are actually building those spaces you know you're building those spaces where uh, you are essentially shooting with three walls and the fourth wall is the camera you know mm-hmm. so uh how do you really move those spaces how how do you move those walls and furniture and objects of art on the wall around to make a frame and to create a sense of space for your characters to inhabit um and it's a very well known and common practice that depending on the lens you're using you'll alter the walls or you'll alter the size of the walls or the size of the props or to make a person feel claustrophobic you'll move the walls closer or to widen it out you'd move them apart and change the background and so on ah um so you just create you alter that experience of space altogether by doing that in conjunction with your uh, your uh, tools of lensing and cameras and mm-hmm. lighting and so on you'd actually alter the architecture itself to do that you know very simple very very simple example is where you are it's it's just me against a wall and you can see the objects behind me in focus but if you change lenses 
Hmm. and uh, the objects then go out of focus you know you are closer to me but the objects go out of focus but you want them to be in focus what would you do you know you you replace that or you bring it closer you know mm-hmm. uh something as simple as that so uh and that becomes fun you know for the production designer for the filmmaker and the entire team including the camera person to be able to play with your medium and mm-hmm. tease your medium and uh, trick the medium into yeah. you know doing things uh, yeah to actually alter reality so that example you gave of bes anderson is of course a very very pertinent one you know in the way in which he uses uh, space um because we also yeah. sense that as a filmmaker um your the discipline has a, a much better grasp of human sort of temporal experience let's say you know the whenever architects uh, design a space they always want to say the words in this space you're going to feel like this um and uh, and rightly so i mean there are spaces we do want to deal with uh, experience in that sense uh but we always tend to think that uh, filmmakers have better maybe this is the therapy part then have a very good understanding of uh the the temporal experience what do you think within uh, uh just from your interaction with architects what do you think where uh, how do architects think about it differently or what what ends up in architecture based on how architects think about it well you are being a little romantic right about filmmaking in general and yeah. uh, grown up on films i don't know no. enough about <laughs> it that's usually the kind of things i'm romantic about yeah. <laughs> great yeah. yeah and of course um, self critical about your own practices i am yeah so because you know it closer like i know my practice closer so um but uh, yeah just sorry just repeat your question please uh what uh, as an outsider and your interactions with architects how do you see uh, the architectural discourse or how architects talk about uh, the experience of people in spaces what do you yep. what do you think of that uh, uh, not the experience per se but what how do architects talk about it? tell me where i am wrong in talk about experience is what i'm asking there isn't one without the other right right like if mm-hmm. there isn't the space to start with mm-hmm. i have nothing to film and mm-hmm. once i arrive with my big camera or small camera uh and i start altering things around you know or not mm-hmm. to represent them in a certain way so there really isn't one without the other and i mean one key difference of course which i think you already mentioned is that one is entirely spatial and the other one is spatial temporal mm-hmm. mm. so um so that element of time that just gets added of course it's temporal in the way in which we live in architecture right you know mm-hmm. in our homes in our offices in our spaces in our cities and so on so that element of temporality is very much there but when you're held captive to a seat in an auditorium or on your sofa watching things on a screen 
and uh, so that informs your uh, temporal experience of that space and hopefully if the film is half decently made then you'll see it in a particular way mm-hmm. um jokes apart really i mean it uh, the challenge is to be able to bring out and uh, play with that element of temporality in a space mm-hmm. um you know using actors or not characters or not and uh, yeah making it uh, experiential immersive and uh, all of the above and honestly whether it's uh, there is no there is no uh, cinema there is no photography without a scene to start with right mm. you know whether it involves a work of architecture or not even if it's landscape there is no uh, photography without it so there are times when i'm in uh, difficult situations while filming where you suddenly arrive in somebody's house and they only have white walls you know which uh, is the classic nightmare situation for somebody who's going to use lights you know? yeah and uh, what do you do then how do you work around it and uh, so on so you know my response to a lot of filmmakers when i'm working as a camera person is that i start with the scene that's given to me that involves the architecture after that you know it's the production design what is within the frame it is what the person is what his or her skin tone is what are they wearing and so on and i can only start lighting after that you know after mm-hmm. these given this set of givens is uh, defined i can only start lighting and framing after that so you define a frame and then fix everything within it in terms of uh, color tones in terms of uh, layouts in terms of people um, and this also involves the architecture of uh, i guess um people's features you know where you realize that uh, um actors and actresses are known to have their flattering sides and flattening sides and so on you know uh you could use you could be using makeup for glamour you could be using makeup as a corrective device just to fill in eye shadows eye holes and so on you know just to raise your cheekbones a bit so i start with what's given to me and then i build on it so there isn't one without the other really okay mm-hmm. i uh, okay on a much much lighter note i want to know in the last uh few years in recent times a good film that you have seen or come across uh probably produced uh, and made in india uh, something it can be bollywood it can be art house i don't know what's your favorite uh, film mukul yeah, just a recommendation or something <laughs> baap re this is uh, like an it's an interview question you know yeah i know it was it's, a very it is a very uh, <laughs> mtv <laughs> in the 2021 aapka favorite but it's just i just i really liked uh, chaitanya tamhane's uh, the disciple okay mm. so see it when you get a chance it's yeah. really lovely i really liked uh, paranjit's kala 
okay. and again see it i don't know if it's available online online anyway but the way in which uh, using the entire mainstream mode casting rajnikanth in it setting it in dharavi and the way he's used the way he's dealt with cast is phenomenal absolutely phenomenal on the same subject i really like Nag, uh, nagraj panjule's uh, pantry mm-hmm. uh and i am actually quite a big fan of the mainstream because uh, i mean i feel that what they managed to achieve is far greater really far far greater and i'm talking as a documentary filmmaker here far greater than what we can ever dream of reaching mm. uh another film that everybody absolutely hates and i think is a remarkable piece of work a student of the year the first one not the second oh, one oh really you know? yes mm. especially the <laughs> way in which it deals with the uh, queer sexuality you know yeah, uh-huh. yeah uh it's a hugely subversive film hugely hugely subversive film i'm a big fan of uh, sanjay leela bansali not padmavat uh, but uh, much of his other work for the absolute uh, spectacle that he creates yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, really the yeah. spectacle that he creates so much yeah. i mean i think it's been a very very rich time in uh, indian filmmaking whether you're looking at the mainstream or otherwise yes everything that i've named so far is uh, largely hindi except for no two marathi films so yeah mm. i'm talking about that it's nice do you have any questions for us what are your favorite films <laughs> go oh. <laughs> actually some of the things you mentioned are common yeah of course um when i'm around people who uh, know me and won't judge me for being a snob that i am uh, i do mention people like belatar because i think uh, he helps me uh, just build patience um and I love the way the camera works. I don't know what I'm looking at but it's just an aesthetic experience for me. I really of course like uh, Wes Anderson, Sanjay Leela Bansali. I've been crazy about uh, the Japanese uh, uh, of course Kurosawa first. I've seen everything I think he's ever made. Uh that's not possible actually but yeah. No, it is And possible. Really? In this day and age, everything is possible. Yeah, okay. and if you're a pirate, you are a very happy man. <laughs> ah. I don't know if the Germans are out there, but uh, and uh, and what else? Um, of course, I do like Tarantino because I think uh, I love the the long shots, the long conversations that he produces. I haven't seen a lot of other. uh people uh, guy richie a little bit so yeah, i i'm I, mentioning a lot of movies i'm mentioning the uh, makers no but, but i course, i would mention yeah. if i would mention once upon a time in hollywood i love that movie just because of how subversive it is of tarantino's work himself you know like mm. he takes all his devices that he has in all his movies before that established and then subverts them within the movie itself and for me that was Wait. so <laughs> uh so fun because the tarantino movie is just about uh, that that particular movie is just about now i can make a movie <laughs> where i can create these experiential scenarios 
and it can have n- no story behind it anymore the the right. <laughs> the right. device can work as the device itself you know right. it's, it's so if you were to tell me about uh, films on architecture that mm-hmm. made you notice both filmmaking and architecture hmm films on architecture which notice both ah okay hmm that's a it's a good one i don't think i can think of one yeah even me either i don't know but i would there are i ones would say i would say that uh, vishal bharadwaj looks a lot his backgrounds the f- the the backgrounds in his film are very well sort of constructed hmm. and an architecture does play an important role in in the in in sort of being the background of the life that he is trying to to represent because if right. he yeah so you have an I, example uh i think we were discussing this scene in heather where the uh-huh. zoom out happens when they are shooting in sort of kashmir you remember the yeah yeah do you want to no the it's this so it's this is this uh, so during the filming of the song it is when when shahid kapoor is standing all alone in that uh, and and you know he's it's that point where he has kind of gone crazy where ah. heather has reached and become kind of crazy and then for no reason at all but there is a sort of zoom into a top view <laughs> where so many people have gathered in one place and are and are listening to him which is a very right. <laughs> at lal chowk in shrinagar that mm-hmm. one yes yes which is right, not right 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 <laughs> Right. which is yeah. fictionalizing a scenario to yeah. put it mildly and then he comes back into that scene so to kind of create those uh, sort of situation i think yeah he works in no, at, think both, at both at both one uh, scene and one song where he does it very very beautifully is the song uh, o sathi re in uh, omkara omkara oh. yes 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 i didn't think oh, about yes. that i don't oh, know yes. why i have actually it's said beautiful. the same thing it's yeah. so beautiful yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. beautiful where it moves in and out of spaces following characters losing them finding them again going up on the terrace coming down entering a room you know yeah. and uh, all in slow motion it's quite a feat both yeah. in the way it's in which it's imagined and executed it's really quite a feat it's very beautiful and the song is lovely so yeah yeah, yeah. i like that all right mm-hmm. Okay. All then. right. That's I think that's all the questions that we have. Uh thank you so so much for doing this. It's been Thanks, guys. an absolute pleasure talking to you. <laughs> really. I'm I'm like not able to say much anymore. I'm full <laughs> of stuff. And right the, <laughs> wow. Oh <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> ghanta ho gaya. It's 2 hours and 23 minutes uh, according to my timer. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, correct. So but uh, thanks a ton guys. This was great fun. and uh, all the best with your project and everything else so yeah, yeah i look you. forward to this yeah. yes thank you so much thank you so much so there you go guys hope you enjoyed that conversation uh, make sure to check out our channel it's broadcast colon interrupted uh, on youtube uh, there are many other episodes uh, already uh, available stay tuned uh, for more such content coming ahead uh thank you for watching and see you on the next one bye <laughs>